0: Did you know that each episode of the Digital Irresistible podcast is recorded on video? You can access the video by clicking the episode notes on your podcast player. Scroll to the bottom of the notes and click on the video link. Or just visit the iCore YouTube channel. You're listening to the Digital Irresistible podcast, where we cover the optimization of digital technologies and irresistible people. Brought to you by iCore. Each episode features someone who sheds a little more light on the ins and outs of delivering a great employee and customer experience that has a measurable impact on the business. And now, here's today's guest. Welcome to another episode of the Digitally Irresistible Podcast. I'm your host, Bernie Borges. Today's guest is Sean Illenry. Welcome, Sean. Thank you, Bernie. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you, Sean. Sean, you have quite a story. You went from a homeless high school dropout to an award-winning executive in tech. You're a published author. You're a keynote speaker. And your achievements have inspired you to help other professionals achieve their own definition of personal success. You're the author of the groundbreaking book, You Don't Owe Happiness, which teaches the six key principles of what you call value centric leadership. And Sean, you believe that when your team feels valued and valuable, optimal employee satisfaction is achieved, leading to optimal customer service delivery. So in this episode, Sean, let's unpack the six key principles in your book, You Don't Owe Happiness. But first, it's tradition here on the Digitally Irresistible Podcast. Let's begin with your backstory, Sean which I, I understand and has inspired you to write this book. Tell us your backstory.
1: Absolutely. You know, for me, as you mentioned, being that kid who didn't do well in school, even though I had the intelligence, I didn't have the focus and I had some outside things in my life. So I found myself not completing school on time, living in a car, sleeping on friends' floors and just trying to figure it out. And that journey of going from there to being a vice president 10 years later was a combination a of leadership lessons that taught me that it's okay to want to take care of other people and step up and prove your value, your worth. But it gets to a point where serving leadership can get to a place where you're not really serving the people. You're trying to force yourself into making them happy. And over the years, I found me and my teams have done that, where instead of really focusing on what are those key things that can actually ensure that our teams feel like they're valued and valuable, let's stop chasing all these Moments of emotion and bursts of of energy that really won't last because an employee could love their job but not wake up feeling good one day. And that's okay.
0: So it sounds, Sean, like you have a lifetime of experiences that have led you to this book. So let's get to it. Let's get to the six key principles of value centric leadership. The first one you say is listening and responding to employee feedback. Yes. You know, in any
1: relationship, which is really what it is, it's one thing for your voice to be heard, but it's another thing for your voice to actually have action behind what happened. And a lot of times, we as organizations, we do our employee surveys. They can come out quarterly, biannually, or maybe even annually. And it's a good place to get employee feedback, but sometimes it takes too long to have actions go in play. And that's okay, but the key is when you get that feedback, what are you doing to make a difference? So in one of my organizations, I switched it up a little bit. I said, okay, I appreciate what our people department is doing for us as far as doing the the, uh, company-wide survey, but what can we do to get more frequency and how can we make it more intimate? Uh, So what I did was I rolled out an anonymous survey that anyone on our team can go in and submit a question every single day, every single week, whether it's a question or feedback. And what ended up happening is every Monday, I'll get on camera and respond to it and send a video out to the entire team. And my managers can pull that content into their team meetings as well. And what I learned is that I was privy to those water cooler conversations, the rumors about what's going on with this. Why did this happen this way? Is this changing? What's going on in the organization? So instead of allowing those fears or concerns to fester or feel unheard, I'm responding to them on a more frequent basis so I'm able to address it right away and it Then it calms the team down, and they also give us great ideas on what we can do to improve the apartment for them.
0: That's wonderful. So you're actually recording a video that is in response to the feedback that you're getting, and then you're putting that out. And it sounds like like you're doing it very timely as well. Is that right, Sean?
1: Absolutely. Every Monday, if you send it out there, I'm going to respond to it. I chose video because a written form works well. But they don't get to hear the inflection in your voice. They don't get to see exactly what you mean. Great. Brands that work with iCore are partnering with us on a journey dedicated to delivering exceptional customer service that creates smiles we're putting our best foot forward and giving our all in performance every day. Each client relationship is a partnership devoted to meeting every performance goal.
0: Okay. Fantastic. So principle number two is authentic rewards and recognition.
1: Yes. You know, we think of recognition as, oh, you give, give someone a pat on the back or give them a trophy. And I, I know we live in the era where everyone wants a trophy, and that's not really what this is about. Authentic rewards and recognition is about how do I identify those people who are working really hard in the department and give them some type of recognition to say, we see you and we're proud of you. And the challenge that I learned is that a lot of organizations will have department-wide awards. But let's say it's only a couple of categories, and it's based on specific KPIs. Well, what ends up happening is your top performers are typically going to always be at the top, so you have the same person winning that award every single time, so it's demotivating. And what I learned is that if you can actually break out and have more categories and think about things that are the intangibles, things that are maybe more so focused on department culture. You can then start getting to a place where I can recognize those who may be doing not great in the overall KPIs, but they're really good at this part of KPI, So maybe they have an excellent quality score, but their handle time is too long. Well, you can still recognize them for being great quality scores. But on the other end of that, from a culture standpoint, let their peers vote for them and say, hey, this person has always given us a helping hand. This person has actually recognized us. And then also let them recognize their leadership team. So leaders can also be recognized as who, who's that coach who gave, who we all look at and we can get support from because it creates a culture that says, you know what, as a leader, I want to step up so I can be recognized, but also as teammates, I want to be able to identify which one of my teammates has done something special that they may not be the best performer on KPIs, but they're a culture champion for us.
0: What about frequency? How, what do you, what's your guidance on frequency of rewards and recognition? So when I think of rewards,
1: I think of really, I do, I do those quarterly. I love to do an actual physical award that'll come to your house that you can hang up on your shelf and say, look what I accomplished. But when you think about recognition, that can happen on a, on a very frequent basis. It doesn't take a lot to recognize someone. You know, we even have it at our organization where one of our managers created an amazing project where anybody can actually write a message about which someone great, did great in the department and everyone gets that message. So we all get to see it in real time. And it's just a way to say, we see you, we thank you. And it creates a culture of gratitude. And as we know, gratitude can override almost any problem you have. So to be able to have that culture and it's embedded within your people makes
0: a huge impact. Okay. Principle number three of value-centric leadership, compensation and growth opportunities. So we talk about
1: being a valued employee, feeling like you're valued. One of the most important things is going to be compensation and growth. Yes, feedback is important. Yes, rewards and recognition is important. But if you're not comping me in a way where I feel as if, you know what, you actually see my value, see why I should be here, I may look elsewhere. And a lot of times we as employees, we will look outside the organization and we'll see the job market is paying 10, 20% more than I'm getting paid here. Now I may have a little bit of resentment and say, why isn't my company doing the same for me? Why would I have to leave in order to get that? So if we as leaders can put ourselves in a place where we say, let's just compensate our people with the market is saying at the right time so that that experience does not happen, it, it'll it reinforce that, that feeling of feeling valued. Now, on the other side of that is that you still have to have growth. You know, no one wants to be stagnant. It's great to be comped well, but if I feel as if I'm not leveling up, I get to a place where I then feel as if maybe I shouldn't be here. Maybe it's uh, not enough for me. I'm not getting the development I need. So, one key principle that I've done is that when it comes to the employee base, especially the front line, some people don't want to move to other departments like quality or workforce management or training. They just want to do what they currently do, but they want to be recognized for how far they've come. So, I've created what's called micro promotions. And in those micro promotions, you can say, let me go from a level one to a level two and a level three. And if you have a wide enough comp band, This employee can actually grow up within that same comp band, so it's not negatively impacting your organization, but they have certain milestones of performance that as they control it and they hit those milestones, they're now eligible for promotion. And psychologically, it makes them feel as if, you know what, you see me. So now I'm a level two or a level three, and I'm being compensated for it, and it's directly correlated to how well I performed in my tenure.
0: Yeah. To me, compensation and growth opportunities is all about feeling valued. I think, I think you, you nailed it at the beginning of your explanation. So thank you for that. So principle number four of value centric leadership is showing their work matters to the organization.
1: Absolutely. You know, when you think about feeling valuable, it ties back to what, what, what I do, does it even matter to this organization? Does my work truly matter? And I remember when my first time that I was ever in a company town hall, I was at this company for three years and I had grown from analyst to manager at this point. I'm living outside of the country and we're in a town hall. And for the first time, I saw the bigger picture of our business. Whoa, this is a huge organization. We're doing amazing things. I understand now how my project connects the overall picture. And I always say, especially for those of us who have frontline employees, who can't always join those meetings, figure out ways to pull them into those conversations and bring that information to them because it's when they can see the bigger picture, they feel connected and they say, you know what? Yes, if I perform well, this means that the company performs well, which means that I'm a valuable part of this
0: business. So for me, it's all about context. Your your story about attending that town hall, you now had context after attending that that town hall as to How you're contributing to the bigger picture. Love that. Absolutely. Sean, principle number five of value centric leadership is championing your employees' success.
1: Yes. You know, I'm a big fan of mentorship um, outside of your leadership. You know, it's important that your leader is your leader and they develop you, but you should also have mentors in your life. But there's another Type of development you can get and the resource called sponsorship and i do believe your leader can also be your sponsor and your sponsor is that person who's speaking highly of you when you're not in the room and championing new opportunities for you so as a leader we have departments it's important that we tell our department story we know that everyone's busy so not everyone's going to track what you've done they're not going to know you've beat goals you've you set new initiatives that you've had amazing project rollouts so you have to be able to compile that story as a leader and then be able to do great executive summaries and be able to communicate, here's what we've done well, and then also hire people in your team. It's great that you're recognizing them within your department, but what are you doing to recognize them outside of your department? Because if I know my leader is talking about my great work across this organization, and I can see those communications go out, I feel like I'm a valuable resource that they're all going to see me and say, you know what? This team is one of our best teams because they've done this, and we know what they've done. Instead of, getting to a performance review and trying to actually come up with that information on your own.
0: So that's a culture thing, right, Sean? So the culture of championing your employee success has to be ingrained in the organization in order for that to happen consistently. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Principle number six of value-centric leadership, practical fiscal responsibility. Yes.
1: You know, to me, this, when it comes to feeling valuable, is the heaviest weight. This is the most important one. At the end of the day, you can be a sponsor for me. You know, you can see me, let, have me see the bigger picture of the organization. But if I don't have job security because as a leader, this you weren't fiscally responsible in our department, I'm not going to feel safe being here. So when you when practice fiscal responsibility within your department, you're partnering with finance. You're managing your headcount. You're making sure that your KPIs that allow with productivity are being met. You're you're, you're coming up with innovative ways to reduce costs. All of that improves the job security of your team. It's not foolproof because macroeconomic events happen, but ultimately you want to do your job as a leader to step up for them. And then when your team sees that, it creates a sense of I'm safe here. I want to be here because... I don't care, you could pay me as much as you want. You could recognize me, reward me, but if I feel as if I won't have a job tomorrow, I don't wanna be here. So it's important that we as leaders are practicing that level of responsibility.
0: Got it, got it. Now, we've just covered the six key principles of value-centric leadership in your book, You Don't Owe Happiness. So just to recap them quickly. Number one, listening and responding to employee feedback. Principle two, authentic rewards and recognition. Principle three, compensation and growth opportunities. Principle four, showing their work matters to the organization. Principle five, championing your employee's success. And principle six, practical fiscal responsibility. Sean, talk to us about the title of the book. How do these connect to the title of the book, You Don't Owe Happiness?
1: You know, when I think about employee happiness, I equate it to the stock or the share price of an organization. Um The best CEOs of Fortune 500 companies or publicly traded companies, they're not focused on a share price because the share price is an output. Instead, what they're focused on is what are those inputs? How do we actually make sure we're doing well as a business and we're hitting their success drivers? And even though the market is going to do what it does, it's going to go up and down over time. Ideally, you want it to go up and to the right. But if you're steady and doing what's right in those inputs, eventually that price will go up regardless. So I look at employee happiness the same way is that they're going to have moments where they're up and down, but the key is, are they satisfied? Do they feel like they're in an environment where they're, they're valued and valuable? And that's the main focus you should have. And really, if you want to have a successful team, you don't owe them happiness, you owe them value.
0: I'll offer you a little, uh, marketing, uh, tip here, V squared valued and valuable. Uh, I love that. That just really hits to the heart of what every employee wants to feel is valued and valuable. And and as you point out in your book, You Don't Owe Happiness, it really optimizes employee satisfaction that leads to creating great customer service delivery because they feel valued and valuable. So, fantastic. Thank you so much, Sean, for covering the six, six key principles from your book, You Don't Owe Happiness. Um, last question here, we have a tradition here on the Digitally Irresistible podcast. I'm going to get to that in just a moment. But first, before we get to that fun question, yeah, where would you like to send the listener and the viewer, the audience to learn more about you and connect with you and your world?
1: Yes, you can go to my website, com. If that's too difficult to spell, it's also seanthespeaker.com. Um, and then also I'm very avid about LinkedIn. I love it. I'm a champion of it. I I'm posting there frequently, so please reach out to me there. I'd love to connect and have a conversation
0: with you. Fantastic. Well, our listening audience and our viewing audience knows that that'll be linked up in the show notes. And if you're watching on video, you're seeing it on screen. Sean, we'll get to our final fun question. We do have that tradition here on the digitally irresistible podcast. We like to know when you're not working, what do you like to do for fun? <laughs>
1: And it's funny, this is a tough one for me. This is the hardest question you've asked me. Um, for many years, you know, my wife and I, we've been together for 16 years now. And I'm the type of person who I'm always so focused on the future. And if we're gonna spend money, it should be something tangible. But in recent years, I've moved over to her side. I'm more focused on the experiences now. So now, instead of it being something like you know practical, I'm really into how do I go to new restaurants how do we travel places and just go to different environments and different cultures that we've never seen before and learn from them and not try to take our mindset and what we know there, just be in the moment. Um, and then on a daily basis, it's playing video games with my kids. I have three boys uh, ranging from teenagers to four-year-old where it's just spending that time with them and and seeing those moments of the joy they have in their face that I used to have when I was their same age is amazing.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. Well, you're creating happiness for them as well. And um, thank you for sharing that that fun fact about you. And just thank you for coming on this episode of the Digitally Resistible Podcast and and sharing your, your wisdom, your insights on the six key principles of value-centric leadership that are captured in your book, You Don't Owe Happiness. So, Sean, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Digitally Irresistible Podcast, where we cover the optimization of digital technologies and irresistible people, delivering a great employee and customer experience that has a measurable impact on the business. Brought to you by iCore. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss future episodes.